what I've learned is that while being provocative and uh, having bravado and all that stuff is like will attract an audience, there's a lot of people that don't want like well to watch and like a lot of people like the spectacle of it and they like the confrontation. They're not going to go work for that. Like they're not they don't want to be employed by that. So I've learned that you know at the end of the day. I'm just going to focus on truly who we are, not try to you know, run a customer acquisition strategy to get attention, but just focus on who we are. Hey, folks, this is Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast and the founder and CEO of HW Media. Today's guest is Anthony Casa, the president and founder at U Mortgage. And this is a You Heard It Here first episode. On this episode, Anthony talks about an acquisition that they are announcing today of a, I won't even tell you, you got to listen. Uh, Anthony makes an acquisition at U Mortgage. It's a really cool deal and also share some details into the strategy that they are recruiting around and the types of originators that are a cultural fit and and those that are not. Anthony, as many of you probably know, is a prolific communicator. He has a um, he has a loud voice and uh, attracts a lot of attention, good good and bad. We talk about that, the communication strategy and the way that he has evolved over the leader as a leader over the years. I hope you enjoy this episode with Anthony Casa of U Mortgage. Mr. Casa, how's it going? Going great. You have a Texas State like illuminated light behind you. I think we're going to get to that topic in a minute, but uh, I think you're like 15 miles away from me right now. We're both in both in Dallas area, but uh, not together in the same room. Not not together in the same room. We're here for a very very special occasion that we're excited uh, about, and uh, looking forward to telling you a little bit about it. Nice. All right. So Anthony, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you. God, it's probably been like five or five or six years now and like seeing you in a, in a few different capacities through, through brawl and aim. And then most recently over the last two years, the, the launch of, of you mortgage, give us a, give us a glimpse into the founding story. Um, then we can kind of take, take it from there on like you mortgage strategy and the business that you're building. Yeah. Well, obviously before I was here, I was, I was focused on the independent mortgage broker channel. I think you know, for me, when I was getting, when I was starting you mortgage, the, the focus was like, you know, brokers great because for so, for so many reasons, but one of the reasons that it's not the best model, why a lot of retail LOs don't go to the broker model is it's not very scalable. And it's not, you know, like a guy like Champ Bosnian, who I saw you just have did an article on, which was great by the way. Yeah. A billion in volume in 2022. Mercy, man. Mercy. And the previous year he did 2 billion. So like, he can't go to the broker channel because of the fact that, you know, he's got 50 team members that work for him. Like he needs something, he needs a little bit more of a platform that he can plug his business into. And that's why retail works for him. And what we're trying to do is be the, you know, the, the difference between broker and retail. So we don't have all of the, the, the layers that maybe a retail has, but we have all the infrastructure that would allow an LO to scale their business um, without kind of doing it yourself type of model. So how, how is that, that goal of building a origination shop that gives people more scale than the the wholesale model that you spent, you know, the previous five years in um, versus the retail model that we've, we've seen proliferate over the last decade, the retail IMB has just proliferated in comparison to, um, to the depository world and other parts of the mortgage industry. Like how did those two inputs influence the structure and culture that you sought to build? Yeah. Well, you know, the reason why we did the whole brokers are better move at aim was because 
retail so expensive? Like the rates are so much higher than a broker can deliver. And so, so to me, I, I love the fact that the cheapest place for a consumer to get a loan is in the wholesale channel. That's, you know, you, you hear Matt Ishby and UWM always talk about that. But the reality is it's only 18% of the market. So like 82% of the consumers are going elsewhere. So, you know, for, for, for all intents and purposes, I sat there and I said, hey, you know, the real opportunity here is if you can provide access to a marketplace of lenders, but you normalize the experience so that, you know, the LO can still have their operations, they can still, you know, do everything they want to do in their local communities, but, you know, they get an access to UWM and EPM and, and, and you know, HomePoint, all these different wholesale lenders. So, so I guess, you know, for us, it was like, but why don't, well, how do we not become retail is the big question. Like, how do you not just become another version of that? And we just made a business decision that we're not going to have middle management and overrides and some of that stuff so that we, you know, basically build it on a community like we did AIM. So I mean, is that the big delta? So like, all right, so we saw the Q3 MBA IMB report showed that the cost of origination was about $11,000, the, high, the highest it's ever been in, in history of, of the report, which for most lenders meant that they were not profitable. We, we did a webinar today. I had Garth Graham from Stratmore as a speaker, and he shared that 60 to 70% of IMBs are ru- not running at a profit right now, which only means 30% are, which is uh, you know, not, not, a, not a positive metric. But when you start to compare the models, you're, you, know, you have similar cost of capital. You have wholesale lenders who have found the same scale that the big IMB shops have, or if not more in, in certain scenarios. You're, you're going to have the ability to build similar technology stacks, similar tech cost structures. So like the big delta is the human capital component of the origination cost. So is the the big difference between, you know, what what we have over here in retail and what you have over here in wholesale or the 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 traditional broker ecosystem where there's no kind of middle management and you know which could also be like glimpsed at there's there's no like a less leadership and like sales coaching, like you're trying to build something in in the middle there where you you have a little more infrastructure but um you know, you, you don't have a legacy. Yes. Here's what I would say is this is like the difference between the LO and the money. So like the, whether it's UWM or uh, Fairway, everything between the LO and the, and the end user is in the rate the consumer is getting. So for me, it's like, okay, we're going to provide all the operations, but none of the sales leadership. So there's a cost here, but like, you know, you have your coaching platforms, like next level coaching, you have the core, like, I feel like they can get that in different ways. And I think from a company-wide leadership perspective, we can lead and, and help, you know, give them the leadership that they need. But I don't need a branch manager that's getting, you know, 75 basis point override. I don't need a market leader that's getting 30 basis points. Like if you were to actually break down that $11,000 in cost and take out the LO comp and take out the operation and business cost, you're going to find sales leadership plays a big, big role in the, in that financial structure. So when you look back in like the, the legacy of IMBs, like I'm imagining there's like a few players who started out with a similar strategy and said like, Hey, I'm going to be like lean and mean, but over time, um, you know, inertia happens, scale happens. Like how do you ensure that your culture won't turn into one as you like, as you scale and like recruit new, um, teams to join the U mortgage platform. I believe even using the, the powered by language, uh, as a, as a core of the, of the brand. Um, how do you prevent like, uh, an infrastructure building just over time, you know, as like people staff up in the organization and you start to resemble 
who you're trying to compete with. So, so there's there's two things that have to happen. The first thing is Rocket and UWM gave us the playbook, which is centralized controlled operations. The retail model is like this whole, every branch does it themselves. In our model, we own it. We don't allow for customization, which is a big deal because that allows us to make sure that from a financial perspective, you don't have, you know, the LO who's not an HR person, who's not a, you know, a talent acquisition person determining what the salary of the processor is. So that's where there's a lot of dysfunction in the retail model. So controlling your operations is number one. Number two is we've put in, in our environment is like, this is like kind of a, a unique situation is we've allowed for all of our LOs and branch leaders to buy into the company. So right now in the last quarter, um, essentially we had 22 different LOs and branch leaders uh, contribute $3 million. So the average amount of the individual investment was $200,000. So, you know, when you have alignment, think about this, Clay, you know this, consumer LO company. The issue is, when the LO doesn't care about the profitability of the company, they want blend and they want all these different things, marketing, all this stuff. The minute they're an owner and their shareholder value, it, they're looking at that. They're sitting there saying, whoa, 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 we can have more costs. We do need scalable operations. And by the way, every single time we say yes to something, our costs go up, which decreases the revenue, which is my distribution as an equity owner, and our value goes down. So my goal is to make this a 99% team member, LO, branch leader owned company and have that alignment. Like I don't care about being, you know, the, you know, 99% owner. I care about having the company that there's true alignment from the consumer to the LO to the, the actual platform. Yeah. I mean, the employee owned is, is powerful. You just got to make sure you maintain the ability to, to keep it centralized and don't turn into like a, a co-op of divergent views. <laughs> Yes. Well, that, and that's kind of that. That's the one thing is like in, in this model, you know, there I've said, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to sell you the ability to get the distributions and all that stuff. But I'm Roger Goodell. OK, I'm the CEO. So I got full 100 percent. I have 100 percent decision making ability. You know, Roger Goodell, he makes a lot of money being the CEO of the NFL. OK, and the owners don't get to tell him what to do. He's running that league. But at the end of the day, that's kind of the way I, I've taken this approach is like, guys, if you believe in me, if you think I'm going to return your shareholder value quarter over quarter and give you the, you know, the, the, the outcomes that you want, then great. You can, you know, be an investor or sell your shares back to me. I'll guarantee that I'll buy it back. But I'm in control of the business. Yeah. So I, I'd say from like the employee ownership perspective, now is either like got to be the best time or the worst time to be putting equity into a, uh, to a mortgage origination shop. Do you, I, I think in this scenario where you have originators and, and leaders joining you, they're obviously bullish in the vision. They bought in. If they're, if they're going to come join you, you mortgage, there's like a selection bias. I'm like, Hey, I'm hanging up my hat as a owning my own shop or running my own brokerage or being a team leader at a retail shop to come join you. I'm imagining the equity conversation is not that difficult. Well, so we have two branches coming on this this week. Both branch leaders and their LOs cumulatively, cumulatively are going to stroke checks for a half a million dollars each upon coming on to buy into the company. So think about this. You know, you have all these companies, cross countries, there's been all these recruiting wars where people are giving out crazy uh, signing bonuses to get people, retention bonuses, okay? In my world, they're stroking me a check to be an owner in the company. So I'm going to make more money off them about money. They're investing in the company. They're putting more money into the bucket right away. And we make off them in years, but they're believing in the fact that, hey, we're building a platform to replace all the other dysfunctional platforms. 
It's fully transparent. I, I treat everybody like they're a shareholder. So we do public, uh, you know, kind of uh, like investor calls every quarter where I present our financials to them. I present very publicly our books. Everybody can see our books. When you are that transparent in business, the level of accountability is through the freaking roof. And that's why we've grown quarter over quarter, 100% the last two quarters in a row. And we're, you know, very much planning on doing that another quarter, this upcoming quarter. So as current or future team members buy into the organization, how are you purchase equity in the organization? How do you deploy that capital? Like what is your, like, what's the deployment strategy or like, or, or business need to, to keep scaling and, and how does that new equity sale at second, that I guess it's primary capital impact your growth trajectory? Yeah, so it's very important for me. I mean, from a, like think about this environment from a cash flow perspective. If we're adding a hundred LOs in this next week, so think about computers, health insurance, like all the things that go in that cost. If I don't have this capital coming in, I won't be able to keep up with that cash flow machine. So that's one. Two, the other thing is that we're we're doing is, you know, we're we're expanding our operations team. We're expanding our warehouse capacities. Like we need that capital to meet our, meet our covenances. And really the, the, the last one is, is the most important one is we're, we're making acquisitions too. Like we, right now there are opportunities in the market to acquire companies. Uh, we don't want to buy dysfunctional companies, but there are some amazing entrepreneurs out there that, uh, you know, make sense for our model. So Anthony, I get, I get the vision on like how the capital comes in on the M and a side. If you are selling primary capital to team members, does that create, like, do you see in acquisitions, see a significant portion of rolled equity into the organization. So they're, they're, they're coming in with ownership through the, through the deal. Well, you know, for, for true acquisition, yes, that's, that's important for me. Like I, I don't, I don't want to acquire a company where there's not alignment with the person, the people coming in that they yep. are the owners. So, you know, that, that's really a critical piece for me. That's been the deal breaker for a couple of deals. Um, you know, the ones that we're working on right now actively, that was, we had full alignment and that was, you know, a condition of it. Like, Hey, we're, you're coming here and, you're going to help us make this a, a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I bankered my background with a acquisitive past. So like I, uh, I get like the times when full liquidity works and the time where rolled equity is, is necessary. And when you're having someone join you and kind of the capacity that you're recruiting for that, that, that makes a lot of sense. One claim is, is this is we do offer, we basically put in everybody's contract. We will guarantee to buy back the stock at our current valuation with six months notice. And the reason why that's important is like, if we're not a publicly traded company, how do you exit? You know, like to me, it's like, hey, if our valuation, go, you know, is doubles or triples and somebody wants to cash out, it's like, I'll guarantee to buy back because I'm confident we're going to continue to raise that value. But, but the other thing is this is like, you sell equity when you need cash, you buy equity when you have cash. So like we see it with Warren Buffett, he's constantly buying back stock that, you know, he, that he owns in, in Berkshire Hathaway. So I think it's, it's just like, do I want to be partners with venture capital or do I want to be partners with my loan officers and, and branch leaders? Yeah. Yeah. No capital allocation is the name of the game. If you haven't read the outsiders by Will Thorndike, um, I recommend it. It's the, probably the, the, the best book on, on a profiles of five savvy capital allocators over, over a 30 year period. It's phenomenal. The value creation that can be had when you're, when you're willing to sell at the right price and willing to buy back when the, when the price is appropriate and issue use debt and equity to, to fund really strategic vision. So um, I'm with you there. So, so Anthony, you're like, 
you're a, kind of a household name in the mortgage industry. You've been relatively prolific in your in your communication um, through your capacity at Brawl and Aim, but also in your capacity at U Mortgage. And you talked about the transparency. Like you're literally hosting like company wide calls, but inviting everybody. So like, tell me about like the origins of your communication strategy um, and, and, you know, kind of what you've learned over the years. Cause I mean, you've, you've made, you've made noise and sometimes that's been by like calling certain players um, into like, into like luring them into conversation on social media, um, being vocal in, in webinars and the media. Like I, I'm just curious in how you think about comm strategy and how it relates to your entrepreneurial path. Well, what, what I've learned is that, a lot of LOs, and I'm sure you see this in the, your open rates on your LO Daily Life uh, newsletter, which also is great, by the way, I read it. Lending Life. Lending Life, I read it every day. So, you know, I think the loan officers are paying attention and when they need to pay attention. Like, like when they're busy, they're not paying attention to anything. So when they're not busy, they might pop their head out of the sand and pay attention. So what I think the approach of is like, you have to over communicate and consistently communicate cons- like all the time. But the other thing you have to do is this is what I've learned is that I've, you know, at AIM, I got to meet all the lenders, CEOs, all these different lenders, all the people who are running these companies. And I realized really quickly the difference between Matt Ishbia and all the other CEOs I met was that this guy's a freaking unicorn. Okay. Like he's a once in a, like they don't make people like this guy. So for me, it was like, you know what? I realized that they don't make people like me either. And the more visibility I can bring to the way I run my company, the more people are going to be like, holy shit. That's the way this guy runs his company. That's the level of transparency, accountability. That, that's how visible he is to every team member. That's how involved he is in every process. And, 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 and for me, it's been, you know, the replacement for having a big recruiting apparatus is like, we're attracting the people. We get 150 to 200 LOs on our recruiting call every week. We don't hire them all. That's not our model. But, you know, to me, it's like, I'm attracting the audience versus going out and trying to find them. Yeah. Anytime you attract a big audience, you like, you attract the the positive and the negative. How, how do you approach the negative? And like, you, you, you got some haters out there. You got people who go for the jugular, Anthony, but you also know how to go for the jugular. So like, how do you approach the, the bad? Well, I, I think, I think for me, it's this, it's like, it's like, it's like the Patriots for years. Like everybody like this, you know, the cheating gate and all these different things, you know, at the end of the day, they just want. And, and, and at the end of the day in this business, if you can just win, that's all that matters at the end of the day. And like, for me, it's like my track record matters. It's like, what has this guy done? Okay. He's had four exits and uh, he's got a leading technology company that he was part of. He's uh, the both mortgage companies he was part of are leading companies that are still making, like doing really well. He's got an association that didn't exist that now is a leading association, like track record matters. So like, I'm just going to focus on building a winning organization with a winning culture with the highest retention ever. And they're only going to keep coming after you. Like, like if I would imagine Rocket would say, I, they have a million people that talk crap about them. And UWM's got a million people that talk about it about them. But guess what? They're both winning. They're both being, they're both being talked about. And that's uh, attention is, um, you know, attention is part of the game. So like, as you, you're, you've evolved as a leader in the mortgage industry, and now you're at a place where you're leading. How many originators do you have at UMortgage now? So we, we at, at the end of this month, at the end of December, we'll be at just over 300. Okay. Just over 300 people are like depending on you for their, their livelihood and to serve the realtors that they've built, you know, probably in many cases, decades building relationships with. How, how does, does that 
change the way that that you you want to communicate or be present in the industry or like how do you think about how you evolve as a leader as you evolve and scale and impact it, it well you know we have we have 300 registrars and then 200 other team members we have 500 total team members wow it's changed my it's changed the way i communicate completely so like you know to me at this point what i've learned is that while being provocative and uh, having bravado and all that stuff is like will attract an audience there's a lot of people that don't want like well to watch and like a lot of people like the spectacle of it and they like the confrontation they're not going to go work for that like they're not they don't want to be employed by that so i've learned that you know at the end of the day i'm just going to focus on truly who we are not try to you know run a customer acquisition strategy to get attention but just focus on who we are luckily the audience has stayed with me so it's not like an, i'm no longer giving them red meat i'm just focused on us as a business and speaking transparently about the business and they've stayed, they've stayed along for the ride. Well, and some of those audience members are team members now. So like we just saw an announcement, uh, God, I think it was last week where uh, a gentleman that is a, that's been prolific in the housing or in the, the mortgage brokerage industry as a top originator in Arizona, um, Todd Bitter. Tell us about how that relationship with Todd has evolved over the years and what he's doing for, with you now at Mortgage. Yeah, Todd, Todd's a, a little bit of a broker legend, and you've you've been part of AIM and watching everything for years. So he's the ultimate do-it-yourself guy. Never had employees, processed thirty loans a month. You know, did it all himself, and all brokers love this guy. But he runs like he works like twenty-hour days, right? The man is like yes. a grinder. He, he he's a grinder. So you know, we <laughs> talked about it for a while. He said, Anthony, he's like, if you can process loans as good as I process loans. And do it at a at a cheap enough margin that the difference between you and Holt, me just being my own broker owner makes sense. I'll call me, and we've stayed in touch over the last two years as we built the platform. And he saw, you know, not the NPS is the best. The this, the closing the application clear to close is best. You know, and then he called me. He said, you know, Anthony, I want to come over, but I want to come over and help your salespeople be better salespeople. And, you know, I told him, I was like, well, you know, we're really not trying to be a retail lender with like the sales leadership structure. He's like, no, my focus is coaching, mentoring. I'm, I'm at a point in my career where I'm not trying to, you know, be the override the net or, or like that kind of person. And we talked over the last couple of months and we, we finally hit a point where, you know, he, you know, he pulled the trigger and he came on board and he, he believes that this is the platform that replaces, you know, a lot of a lot of platforms out there out there. And uh, he, he's another person that's coming in with a vision of uh, bringing the new the next generation of LOs into our industry. Just playing one thing, I don't know if, if, if Graham or Garth mentioned this to you, but like the average age of the LOs like north of 55 right now. Um, you know, when I, when I hear that, that's there. I mean, we had an issue with appraisers these last couple of years. Nobody could get an appraiser done because these guys were, you know, aging out of the system. We're about to have that in the mortgage industry. Yeah, I mean, at least the mortgage industry is doing slightly better at recruiting the next generation of talent than the than the appraisal space. But there, I mean, there's some natural barriers there, and like the appraisal space is kind of, um, you know, some people agree with me on this, some don't, but plagued by the the um, the model of needing to be an apprentice for a certain amount of time. Where, um, again, for better or for worse, you can get pr- into mortgage origination pretty quickly. Yes, absolutely. So, but but the issue is like the cycles wear a lot of people out, and they. They leave. So do you think like talking about the next generation of talent, like, do you see bringing first time originators into you mortgage as part of the model? Or are you looking for experienced talent in your recruiting effort? That, that That's the vision. So the vision is like, we're looking at and saying, you know, the guy that's looking to retire, what's his retirement plan? What's his, what's his way to get out of your dad? We, you know, I've talked to your dad before, you know, how does he exit? How does he turn the cash register off? Well, if he turns it off, it just is off and that's it. 
But if he's got years of relationships, our goal is to sit here and bring, you know, the the, the LO to the apprentice that you talked about and marry him to, you know, the, the retiring LO and say, hey, listen, you know, this is your mentor. You're going to do it exactly the way you want to do it. You're going to take over the relationships. He's going to work with you to do that. And he's going to get paid off of the business for X amount of years. But now, instead of you coming to business and trying to like work really hard to get to 20 million, which is a big number for a lot of guys, you're taking over his book, getting 20 million out the, at the gates. So now you have a foundation. So you overcome the barrier to entry. Uh, but not only that, you're, you're, you're serving a purpose. You're learning the, the, the nuance and the industry knowledge that really is tribal knowledge. Your dad has it here. How do you get it into this new, new person's mind? Well, they learn by being mentored by them. So that, that's really the big picture vision. For the audience members who don't know, I, I grew up around this stuff. My dad's been an originator for, for 35 years. I've seen him in his capacity at, at community banks and um, large IMBs and as a, as a mortgage broker and with a, with a small IMB most recently. Um, and it's, it's kind of fascinating to, you know, learn as a, as a, you know, growing up and before my capacity at, at HW. So, uh, been around this industry for, for quite a while in one way or another. You hear the funny thing is the same LOS he was using 35 years ago is the same LOS he's using today, which is scary that we don't use it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, correct. Um, <laughs> so, so Anthony, um, I opened the episode noticing that you have uh, an outline of Texas and fluorescent lights behind you um, that says home. Um, I don't think you're in uh, Pennsylvania right now. Um, what are you doing in Texas? Well, you know, we, we, we are very excited. We're, we're in the process of, uh, we just finalized the acquisition of uh, a really special company here in Texas, in Dallas, uh, in Copella, or Copel and uh, NXT Mortgage. It's uh, one of the fastest growing companies in the country. It's been on the Inc. 5000, 500 list. Uh, is it 5000 or 500? I think it's Inc. 5000, but yeah, Inc. 5000 is the official Inc. name. Got it. He's been on, they, they've been on the fastest growing list the last couple of years. Uh, really special company. Great culture. Very aligned with our culture. Special entrepreneur that runs this company. His name's Tyler Hodgson, a former Marine, a CPA. Like this is a unicorn. Um, and I've had a great relationship th- with him through AIM. I helped. You know, I was part of him starting his brokerage, this company, four years ago. So it's really come full circle. Um, and he's the kind of guy that I see. You know, not just bringing his company to new mortgage, we're acquiring them in this in this transaction. But you know, I see him potentially one day being you know the CEO of the company. He's got that potential. So maybe there's a better question for Tyler, but I'll, I'll let you answer. Like, what do you think? What attracted Tyler to you, mortgage? Like, I, outside of the history that that the two of you have, like, why did he choose you versus staying independent or or joining you know a different shop? Yeah, you know, he, he has he, in just four years, he built the biggest broker in Texas. He's one of the biggest ones in the country. He has fifty plus LOs. Uh, I think it really came down to like, do you want to spend, you know, do you want to try to, you know, just be another mortgage company and do it yourself? Or do you want to come together with a group of of entrepreneurs, because it's not just him, that are all focused on building something really, really special? And I think, uh, you know, I think from uh, an alignment standpoint, he wants to build something special. We think the industry deserves it. And we think the time has come for somebody to think really, really big and change the model, just change the entire ecosystem. And you know, this is an industry that people have been talking about disruption for a long time. Clay, and like I, I've been hearing it forever. And I don't think it's coming via consumer experience. I don't think it's coming through a consumer direct thing that like everybody thought like that's what it was going to be. I think it's coming in the form of the way loan originators, 
uh, perform and fulfill their loans and place their loans in, in that entire situation. And uh, that's our vision. That's what we want to do is we want, we want to, we want to you know, really change the game from that perspective. So that's what I know he, he, he would say if he was on here. All right. Nice. So for, for NXT, like what, what changes post acquisition? Like, is there like, uh, is there tech stack change brand marketing? Like how, how does Tyler's life change after this deal? So number one, his, his LOs process their own loans. So we talked about Todd Bitter, like in the broker channel, yep. there's no operations. So they process it themselves. So number one, that they, they get that pickup. Tyler is no longer doing administrative stuff like payroll and all this, the compliance. He's now just focused on growing the business and helping you mortgage grow the business as a whole. So, you know, to me, it's it's going from like being a LO slash business owner and operations person all in one to just solely focused on client acquisition and customer uh, relationship development. And, and that's, you know, for the LOs that have come here because of that change of behavior, they're growing in a shrinking market where most people, you know, are, are sitting there not in that sh- situation. That's, that's pretty good for Tyler. So have you had any LO, give you a unique, you know, a unique culture and unique strategy you're running. Um, have you had any LOs that, that joined and realized like, Hey, this, this isn't a fit. I don't want to process, process my own loans or like how's, I, I know, um, we all take a lot of swings. We don't always bat a hundred. So like what hasn't worked? We, we, we've struck out here, here, here's where we struck out. And I, I, I hate to ever say an age thing, but the LO that's been in the mortgage business for a lot, your, your dad, we've struck out with that, that, that audience. I feel bad for my dad. He's becoming like the, uh, <laughs> the topic of this podcast. Like, he's a different example for a minute. We have to honor this. Man. He's served 35 years. The man's got an origination business to run. <laughs> so exactly. So, so, you know, that audience has struggled with us because we're so tech driven. Yep. And we basically, our internal, internal culture is essentially like Facebook for a company. So at any given time, and sometimes it gives me anxiety because at any given time, like an LO would be like, you know, hey, let's price alone and compare, you know, our pricing. There's such transparency and visibility that like, you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing preventing them from just saying, well, you know, why do I need you mortgage? But we think the community is the glue. We think that's actually the stickiest thing. Like we look at it like Peloton is like, we're building a community that gives these guys the best resources and the best operations. But at the same time, you know, that allows us not to have all the support that normally would support like distributed retail. Like it's like they support each other and they understand that that's the way that this thing's being built. So there's good and there's bad with it. But for the audience that's used to being in their own little world, doing their own thing, this is a lot. They, they get into our environment. They're like, whoa, you guys are really like, you know, all over it. So I imagine you're figuring out like how to screen in the recruiting process for the the type of originator that you, you want to help build. And also the type of originator who's going to fit in culturally and not, not come in with, with shock out the gate. Yeah. That, that, that and, and that's part of what Todd bitters coming here for is, you know, Todd's have been in the business for, you know, a couple decades now. And, and he, he's, he's really able to, you know, kind of sit there and say, Hey, you know, you got this very modern social media focused, uh, you know, the, 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 the modern LO, I would call them. That's the core of you mortgage. Well, let, let's let's help you know bring in this audience that we look at you know potentially shifting their business to the, to the modern LO with a legacy plan. So we're we're in a market right now with from our Altos data five hundred and fifty thousand active active listings, which is like fifty nine percent less than the same point last year, but thirty six percent higher than than twenty nineteen. So like we're operating in this funny market that's like historically all right, but like down really significantly off these highs we saw in 2020 and 2021. How are you helping originators 
like this this next gen LO who who started in, who may have started in the industry in 2019 or 2020 adapt to the market that they they need to operate in in Q4 2022 and however long you you want to prepare them for in 2023 I'm not letting them think so like that's that's the biggest thing is like I suffocate them with communication like if 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 you see me a lot externally you can only imagine what these guys see is I'm <laughs> on them so much that like, what's your platform is it is it video all day inside or slack or like how how do you keep what's your national reach model so there's two that well workplace is facebook's business uh platform so we have okay. that and that's kind of like facebook for our company so everybody lives in there and it's like high velocity facebook and then obviously loom emails and text messages that we have going out to everybody but the whole thing is this it's so easy to go negative right now it is so easy there's so many things that if you're a realtor or loan officer it's easy to like get off track um, and to me, it's just like, I show them through my activities. I say, Hey guys, I'm doing what you need to do with realtors. I'm doing with loan officers. You see me, I'm recruiting all day long. I'm on calls. Like I show them the activities. I show them the text message. I show them everything and say, this is the, this is how you apply it to what you're doing. And because of the, of, of the success that they've seen, they've done that. And, and to me, it's, it's super fundamental based, but it's leadership. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like these Sales guys, if you were to add, if you were to survey a hundred sales guys, anybody that's listening to this loan officer or branch leader, it's like, how often are you talking to your LOs? And if the answer is anything less than like ten times a day, it's not enough. Like, 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 like to me, it's like I need to. I know how easy it's like. Think about these guys. Like, you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I just had a bad call. I'm just going to shut it down today. There's nobody managing it. Your employees, if they shut it down two o'clock, they're going to hear from HR. These guys, they're they're their own boss. So like for me, it's important that I'm giving them that extra nudge. I'm sending them that message at two o'clock and say, hey guys, like it's halftime. We, 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 you know, we got to go out there and work harder right now. So I'm just suffocating them with communication because the minute they have time to think is when, you know, they, you know, they'll, they'll think about the, the negative or the market shrinking or rates stinking. I guarantee you, if we did a survey of origination leaders across the country, nobody would say that 10 times a day is like their current communication <laughs> cadence. Um, honestly, 10 times a day scares me. I would feel as a leader, I would feel like I was like distracting my team at that level. But here's the thing, you're, they're only going to watch one. Like, like the thing, the thing, okay. the thing is this, it's like, I could send it to them 10 times. But I'll be lucky if they watch one. Matter of fact, the funny thing is what I've learned is like they might turn off the notifications for the internal platform, but they'll watch my stuff on social media. Yep. Yeah. So it's like it's I just want to get in. I just want like to me, it's like I don't I, I like the idea that a loan originator is going to like open every email like that's insane thinking. Like I just want to suffocate and hopefully one of the messages got through. And that, you know, motivated them or gave them some direction for the day. I'm curious if after this episode drops, if you're going to get feedback, like Anthony, um, the word suffocate, uh, <laughs> but I guess that's the culture you're recruiting for, right? Like you have to, you know, have to know you recruit people who, who can, who can keep up with the the speed and the communication cadence and, and match it. Yes. And, 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 and this goes for both environments. Like right now, this is a tough environment. So the more activities you do, you'll, you'll get that extra loan a month. In a good yep. environment where it's easy to make money, these guys are also shutting it down early too because like it's easier to make the money. They don't have to work as hard. So to me, it's, it's a very it's, it's a standard and a precedent. Again, this goes back to you know observing a UWM or a Matt Ishbia. You know, you, you you hear you know UWM becomes number one. What do you hear? He says, you know, not done yet. Like you know, it's a mindset of just saying like, hey guys, like why stop? Like you know, we we got to keep going. If you have five realtors, how do we get to six? And in this industry, because the the it's so easy to make money you know, people have low standards, like three loans a month is a superstar in this business, because that's 
quarter million dollars a year in income if you're an LO, if you're an LO. So, you know, to me, I, I'm trying to get them to, you know, think bigger. Yeah. I don't know if it's, uh, if three loans a month is a quarter million at, at certain, uh, at certain spreads and override levels, but, um, maybe in the right shop. So Anthony, I know that like we just talked about NXT. Um, I know you've been active in looking at other recruiting and acquisition opportunities. H- how are you thinking about the, the M&A environment in the mortgage industry right now? Um, we're, we saw again today on today's webinar that we hosted with, with Snapdogs, Garth Graham shared that there's been 50, IMB M&A transactions in 2022. And we expect to see that accelerate in, in 2023. Wow. How, how, what are you seeing in market and like sub deals that are marketed deals that you're finding for on the proprietary side, the relationship, like how do you kind of evaluate this market from a M&A perspective? Well, number one, the only thing that's like, like to me at the end of the day, you got to bet on the entrepreneur. So if, if you're buying a company based upon the production, Hey, I'm buying this company that's $10 million, $10 billion in volume. If, that those LOs are not loyal to whoever that leader is that you're buying into. It doesn't matter. We just saw with Mortgage Network, I, I, you know, movement bottom, and seventy percent of the LOs went over to cross country. So it's like, what'd you buy? Like, if, if, if at the end of the day, if the LOs didn't come, it's, they're they're not yours. So you know, to me, it's like you got to bet on the entrepreneur, make sure that they're sticky, and and then the the other thing is this is like you got to understand it's very hard to integrate cultures and technology. So if you don't have a plan for that, like new resin caliber basically never integrated like they essentially like they were supposed to merge into the caliber platform they tried that it didn't work so they they, they just went back to the new res platform so like it, it, it's not something you can do without a plan I, I would say the other thing is this is you know in this environment legacy uh legacy when you buy these companies they all have legacy deals and and and, and you know policies and all stuff and that's hard to overcome i think one of the reasons why we've been so successful is we haven't had to overcome any old processes or, you know, underwear been here for 20 years as an old mindset that, you know, you can't overcome. It's like, how, how, what's your plan to overcome those things would be a big thing. So to me, small entrepreneur driven companies are, are the, are, are my strategy. All right, Anthony, as we wrap things up, there's a question I've asked a, a lot of guests uh, th- this year. Uh, I think it's incredibly important in 2022 is w- what's, what's one thing that you've changed your mind on this year? You, you came into 2022 with a set of beliefs. Like what's one thing that's changed for you and you, you feel differently as we approach 2023? I, I've changed my mindset that you, that the, the market in any way, shape or form matters. And, and like, like to me, like at the beginning of the year, you know, like I would say I was, I was coming in here and saying the market matters so much, you know, it's such, like, you have to, you have to be cognizant that you can scale down, scale up. What I've learned is, is that that actually doesn't matter if you are solely focused on customer acquisition. If you, if your whole business model has your, your salespeople focus on customer acquisition, you can grow. And in this world, our customer acquisition for us, our customers, LOs. So like everything is recruiting. Everything is getting LOs to recruit. Um, and then getting them to recruit agents. So to me, it's just making sure your business plans focus on the right thing. I, I would ask you this, Clayton, when you when you talk to people and you ask the CEO like who their customer is, I'd be really interested in seeing what they say. Because in our world, if you were to go to every department in the company, they would all say the loan originator. Yeah, I think it's different across organizations. I think there's there are there's a good set of leaders in the mortgage industry that know the LO is, is the client, and and those are probably the market share leaders. And um, but uh, yeah, it's certainly not not uniform across the industry. I think that's a really good point. Let me flip this on you. What would you say you changed this year? I literally just had a sales a call with our with our sales team. 
30 minutes ago where I talked about we will not let the market dictate our success and our growth. Like that was a, the point you just made was literally something I, I spent this afternoon talking about. I think it's really important to understand the market and understand like where the headwinds are and where the tailwinds are and, and pick your, pick the, the fights you want to pick and pick, pick the parts of your ideal client profile that are most important to, to concentrate on and, and align with the areas of, of growth and opportunity. But like, you don't run scared. You don't put your head in the sand. Like that's not being an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know what that is. It's being wimpy. Well, that's, that, 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 that's exactly right. And, and, and I, I would say like going back to this whole concept of selling the company, selling the equity of the company to our team members, you know, when somebody strokes that check, you know, they're betting not only on you, but like they become an owner. Yeah. And like right now I'm at this grand opening for NXT. We got three of our branch managers here that flew from all over the country a year ago when they weren't owners, they wouldn't have done that. But now it's like, this is ours. So I, 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 I love that message that that is the right message. Awesome. Anthony, thank you for joining me for this episode of Housing News. Congratulations on your new chief sales officer and Todd and the NXT acquisition and uh, send Tyler my best. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And uh, Housing Wire audience, make sure you're tuning in this every week. This is a, this is a must listen. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the housing news podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.